0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, for those of you that took the time to read Hosea, thank you. Um, I got up this morning and decided this message is way too long, <laughs> but hopefully we can kind of walk through it together. Um, I don't know why I think that I can go through a book in one message, but when when my peers only do three or four <laughs> verses at a time so <laughs> they must think much deeper than I do so anyway um, we're going to we're going to do the best we can with trying to understand the overall story of Hosea it's a uh, it, it's a it's a difficult book in in many respects so we're just going to kind of skate across <coughs> the top of it and, and get the, the I guess the top meaning of it so let's pray father we thank you for your word Lord, it is never ceasing and full of life. Uh, able to, to, to Lord, just to cut through uh, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. We thank you for that, Father. It's just not words on a page. So we ask, Father, that you would use your word today to make us alive, to encourage us, Lord, to use it for whatever your purposes are for each one of us. We just bless you for who you are, in Jesus' name. I want to start out just kind of setting the, the time of, of Hosea. It's back in the 8th century B.C. Back during that time, there was a man who uh, saw the Lord on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. God posed a question, who will go for us? And this man named Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And so Isaiah went to the southern kingdom, Judah, to, t- to remind them to, re- to remember God. They were straying just like we all tend to do. At the same time, God told another man, go, fi- go find a prostitute and a prostitute's children and marry her. That guy lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. Interesting how God gives different assignments to different people. Um, So that man's name was Hosea. Um, He's a man who revered and loved and feared God among a people that didn't. That really didn't. And so he married Gomer. And she had her, fir- his, she had her first child, and that child's name, most of the time back then, the man had the privilege of naming his children. But God said, um, "I think I'll, I want to name him for you." And so he said, "Name name him Jezreel," and so he named him Jezreel, which means God sows. And God had a purpose for that, which He used in in Hosea's life to to demonstrate to. Um, the people of Israel. Well, Gomer had more kids. She had a girl, and then she had a boy very shortly after that. God piped in again and said, Hey, I think I want to name those two. And so he named the girl Lo Ruhama. And he named the boy Lohama. And so it's interesting because you wouldn't think that you would want your children named not loved no compassion, no mercy, not my people. How about every time you heard your name, you you thought, oh, not loved, no compassion. How difficult that would be for a father to name his kids that. But there was purposes in that. Um, So the problem was that Gomer had already sneaked out and had Relationships with other men all during this time. Um, and after these children were born, she finally just left Hosea. She moved from man to man until she was just totally no longer desired. You can imagine what that kind of life would be like. Finally, she reached this place where she was no longer desired. Gomer realized that she really was destitute And she was about to be sold into slavery. God talks to Hosea again. He says, go find that woman and love her again. And so being obedient, that's what he did. He found her and he bought her back with his own silver and and grain. And he brought her home. And he said, you're going to stay here. You're not going to be a prostitute anymore. I'll be your husband. And that's kind of all we know about his life and his relationship with Gomer. We don't know what happened after that. We don't know what kind of man he was before that. But that's that was Gomer's I mean Hosea's life. So through those experiences, God just began to reveal to him and use him as a prophet to speak to Israel about how God felt about how Israel was acting at the time. And So we're going to kind of Look through that. Um, Actually, I have handouts here for everybody because I'm going to be jumping all over the book of Hosea. And rather than you get frustrated with me, (laughs) just read off these sheets. How about that? It's about 31 of them here, so hopefully there'll be one for everyone. But if you're a husband and wife and you want to look together, then that'd be fine as well. The book is, is... a what makes it difficult is that there are a series of prophecies in the book. Some of them overlap. Some of them come before or after uh, a, a progressive sequence. Some of them are um, greater detail of an earlier prophecy. Uh, and so it's it's difficult to just work through the book and get the whole story. Um, so what I wanted to do was maybe just go through... Um, a couple of selected scriptures that hopefully will kind of tell the story. So they're not necessarily in the order that we would necessarily see them. Um, The first one here, I mean, I'm like starting in Hosea 11. So if you read, read along with me, the Lord said, I loved Israel when he was a child and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called the Israelites the more they left me. The Israelites gave sacrifices to false gods and burned incense to the idols. But I was the one who taught Ephraim, which is another name for Israel, to walk. I took the Israelites in my arms. I healed them, but they did not know that. I led them with ropes, but they were ropes of love. I was like a person who set them free. I bent down and fed them. You know, it's really beyond our understanding that a free God, self-sufficient, would allow himself to be emotionally connected to man. But he has. He had no need. But he didn't create us to be a statue that you'd step back and look at. (coughs) He created us for relationship. And so... Within his heart, he be, he was emotionally attached. He was committed. But from the very beginning, he knew that man uh, was what he was like after the fall of Adam. You know, it says in Deuteronomy, know then it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord God is giving you the good land to possess because you're a stubborn people. And you know, that kind of, talks about us a lot of times in our life. Um, they'd already proven to be hard headed uh, but he was emotionally connected he was committed in a, in, to these people um, you can imagine if you, if you think about this book of Hosea God names uh, Gomer's children Lo-Ruhamah and Lo-Ami to mean no compassion and not my people now why, what would, make some, what would make him be like that in his heart? When you think about it, what, what the people had done from God's viewpoint was he was their caretaker. He was the one that committed and made covenant with them. And they were out worshiping other idols and other gods, buying into other countries' um, culture and beliefs. Um, it'd be like for all you husbands, what would it be like? In your presence, your wife just puts her arms around another man and says, I really adore this guy. What would a range of emotions be for you or me? I mean, and, and ladies, you can th- you can think the same thing if you were married and your husband did the same thing. What kind of range of emotions between... Um, you know, just hurt all the way to anger, you would go through in that situation. God's looking down at his people, and this is how he feels about it. And so he names these two children, This because it reflects how he felt. You know, when the Israelites turned away from worshiping God, one of the things we talked about last week was that God's a jealous God. Well, he's jealous for his name. He's jealous for his character. He's jealous for his word that we read. He's also jealous for his people. And it's a holy jealousy, you know. So a jealous God is moved to act when his people turn away. But his loving purpose in in chasing us is that would we would return, like Bill was talking about early, that we'd yield. But you know, if you harden your heart, chastening eventually becomes judgment. And that's what happened to Israel in this particular time. There's a there's a scripture that's not in our, our passage here, but it says the time for punishment, the time for judgment has come. And it goes on in that particular one. But so he first warns, one of the, Bill's, the words that Bill said this morning was return. The word return is in, depending on your translation, the word return is in Hosea 11 to 15 times, depending on which translation you have. And so his first warning is, hey, return. So this particular scripture, I just pulled this, a couple of these out. Uh, Hosea 10, 12. So with a view to righteousness reap in accordance with kindness break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek or return to the lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you 12:6 says this therefore return to your god observe kindness and justice and wait for your god continually return is one of those words that has within it the sense of repent all these words that we've, we've talked about this year, remember, believe, repent, uh, all are words that are con- they mean to continue to do those things. And so that's what God is asking these people to do. Um, I mean, the first part of Jesus' message when he came was repent, turn, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand that was that was his message when he was first here um, so in the face of this situation the Israelites were not doing this and so what happens when people don't heed the warning is then God stated in his case he stated his case in, in Hosea 4 1 it says listen to the word of the Lord O sons of Israel for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land because there is no faithfulness, sometimes translated truth, or kindness, sometimes translated loyalty, or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, <coughs> and adultery. For my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So God gives the reason. First, you guys there's no truth or loyalty here. There's no knowledge. And so as a result, this is what I have against you. you: swear, deceive, murder, steal, and adultery. So God, how does this happen? How do in the world do truth and loyalty leave? How do that how do they leave? How do they leave a person? How do they leave a nation today? How do they leave a church? Well, In verse 11, it tells us how harlotry, wine, and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol, and their diviner's wine informs them, for a spirit of harlotry has led them astray, and they have played the harlot, departing from their God. So it was interesting. I just really got stuck on this, so underneath it is the easy-to-read version. Um, but what was interesting to me is I just got stuck on this wine and new wine. Well, well, why would you have that in there? What's the difference? And what's, what's the Lord really trying to say here? Because it's important to understand why do people turn? Why do they leave? What causes us to lose understanding? Um, let me, I'm going to read the next two and then we'll talk about that a little bit. In chapter five, the very next chapter, he goes on and says, their deeds will not allow them to return to their God. For now a spirit of harlotry is within them, and they do not know the Lord. Then a later in the same chapter, it says Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to follow man's commands. Um, so on the surface, you've got drunkenness and uncleanness, are sins, and they... They beset people, they infatuate people, and they cloud their understanding. Um, they take away a proper leas- reasoning power. W- you know, adultery, when your heart goes out to someone other than who it's supposed to, your thinking gets clouded. Mm-hmm. You can't properly reason about things. Um, and so what happens for people who worship idols, adultery really is like idol worship spiritually. is what we're looking at here. Um, and if that's the case, then it makes it hard to distinguish God's voice. Whatever it is, this thing that's competing for love and obedience with God begins to cloud the voice of the Lord. And so we have to be careful about this whole thing of adultery. You know, we look at, well, you know, for us, we think, well, I I don't have a relationship like that with another person, but do we have relationships like that with idols that are in our life? Mm -hmm. That was the issue here with the Israelites, not only just adultery among the people, but them leaving him for idols. So they couldn't hear his voice because they were listening to their sticks and their diviners' wands. And then wine, I thought, well, what's the difference between wine and new wine? Well, I thought, okay, well, wine is, wine is wine, and the new wine is new wine. Both are wine. What's the difference? Wine that's just wine is wine that's already kind of fermented and reached whatever state it's going to reach. I thought, well, how can that be different from new wine as far as taking away understanding? And you know what I think here is God is long suffering. Because he's long suffering, you know people will continue to continue in some kind of besetting sin. You know, a, a lot of times people have these issues where it's just this one thing they just can't they just keep doing it, you know. They don't have any immediate, you know, blowback from God. There's no thing that seems to happen. But God's so long-suffering. And he's like, you know, uh, he he waits, he waits, you know, hoping that love and devotion will turn us from that particular um, habit, besetting habit that we have. And that's like regular wine. The long-sufferingness of God, sometimes people continue in that. And though they know about the holiness of God, they don't really believe it because we continue in those things and so that is kind of how it takes away the understanding we we kind of know the words about god being holy but because we continue to do this thing we're not really believing that he's holy as he says he is the difference with new wine as i kind of thought about it was um new wine is still kind of working You know, it's still fermenting, trying to reach its state. And so, you know, the word might be alive and active, maybe working in our life in places. But, um, you know, it's like we sang about this morning. It's the cross. You you can believe lots of things in, in God's word. But the one thing that we can't forget is the cross and the fact that Jesus rose from the dead from that. For a reason, and that ought to make us continue to believe in His holiness and to respond in a, in that way. The thing about um, the people having a spirit of harlotry, you know, if, if you continue in something and it, then it becomes a, a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle. Hey, this is my idol. This is what I depend on. Um, this is what I look to for my security. And um, then that becomes a lifestyle, a way of thinking, a, a habit. And when we reach that point, God says their deeds, can they cannot return at that point. And the only way you do return, the only way you even turn, is God grants the place of repentance. Even that's the grace of God that we are able to turn. And so unless... He grants a place of repentance for people when they reach that particular level of devotion to something else. Unless he grants a place of repentance, um, they cannot turn. So that's what that scripture is talking about. And then the last one there that I have put in there, um, oppression and judgment when one determines to follow man's command. That basically in in Israel's time was they had had wed themselves to the culture of other nations. Um, They worshiped their gods. They ate their food. They lived that kind of lifestyle. Um, Today, what would that mean for you and I? It's anywhere where our culture, um, we follow our culture where it goes against God's character, are his commandments. You know, and sometimes we are it's kind of slightly when we, you know, we, we all are affected by advertising. We're all affected by what other people are doing, you know, what other people have, um, how the world does things. That's their culture. Who they trust and believe in. Um, when we're determined to walk in that kind of place, you know, eventually your spirit is oppressed because you at that point you're just not looking to the right source. And in the end, that thing will let you down because well God will make sure it lets you down. Because He loves us. He's gonna make it make it make it let us down. Well, what's interesting is at this particular point. God goes away. The warning's not heeded. You know, if people continue when they continue to walk in this. God goes away. But he goes away with a hope that the people will return, that they'll, re- that they'll recognize, wow, I don't feel so protected now, or where are all the blessings that I used to get? Everything seems to be going kind of wrong now. And so his hope is that you know, by giving them over to this whole season of pleasure, whatever it may be for the Israelites or whatever it may be for us, um, that it will cause them to turn and return. And so here's God's heart then. He says in, in Hosea 5, 6, They will go with their herds, their flocks and herds, to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. 15 says, I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Well, in the truest sense, God never moves. It's it's, it's his people are us that move. I mean, he's omnipresent. But the sense of his presence, the knowledge of who he is, is shielded, masked from us. But what's interesting is the last sentence in their affliction they will earnestly seek me you know things can get kind of difficult or be bothersome and we'll throw up a prayer you know lord i just need i need you to help me with this but when you get afflicted then we get earnest in prayer don't we it's like i'm serious with you now god And so then we pray something like this next section. We either pray it or think it. And and a lot of times we want somebody to be with us. Come, let us go back to the Lord. He will hurt us, but he will heal us. He wounded us, but he will put bandages on us. After two days, he will bring us back to life. He will raise us up on the third day. Then we can live near him. Let's learn about the Lord. Let's try very hard to know him. We know he is coming, just as we know the dawn is coming. He will come to us like rain, like the spring rain that waters the ground. You know, we we talked about Psalm 85 not long ago, a few last time, I, maybe time before that I spoke, very much remembering God's faithful, remembering that he will deliver remember that he'll just restore and that's what this particular actually it's prophetic advice through Hosea that God gives the people but they they really don't they really don't heed it because in the end they're punished. You know, the Assyrians attack and destroy the, the northern kingdom forever. Um so God the covenant keeping God forgiving God in this next section shares his heart. You know, after 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 the anger of a husband in what his wife has done in, in being an adulteress comes to this place if there's true love there. So just listen to God's heart in this. He knows how shallow and short lived a lot of confessions are and as soon as you get what it is you want from God, you're back to the same old lifestyle. So he knows this about his people. And so then he Hosea writes this, Ephraim, what should I do with you? Judah, what should I do with you? Your faithfulness is like a morning mist. Your faithfulness is like dew that goes away early in the morning. I used the prophets and made laws for the people. The people were killed at my command, but good things will come from those decisions. So God actually He got rid of some people. He killed people to say, look, I'm serious about this. You know, it's to kind of arrest us and realize he is holy. He means what he says. Because this is because I want faithful love, not sacrifice. I want people to know God, not to bring burnt offerings. But the people broke the the agreement as Adam did. They were unfaithful to me in their country. Words very much like we heard Jesus say. Out of the Psalms, out of here. Sacrifices and burnt offerings, yet not desire. I came to do your will, God. That's what his son said. That's what his son said. You know, Psalm 89 says this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. But loving kindness and faithfulness, or truth, go before him. And that's the amazing thing about God. That's the conundrum of his governance, (laughs) is that I'm righteous and I'm just, and that's how I rule. But my heart is to be loving kindness, to to have this covenant commitment and love for my people, for truth to go forth, And so... This is how he feels. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? And how can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. My compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. Well, huh, so God's not going to do anything. Well, <laughs> this is talking about after Jesus Christ. Um, because the people of Israel were, ca- were captured by the Assyrians. That group of people, did see the wrath of God through the Assyrians. And so this is God's heart. This is where he's going to. This is what he wants for his people. And though this people didn't get to see this kind of compassion, didn't get to have that kind of relationship that we are his people, that was his heart, and he was going to make a way for his Israel to do that, the church today. Again, he, you know, he's calling his people to return because he's jealous. And this next, this next scripture uh, is about that, these next two. Israel, you fell and sinned against God. So come back or return to the Lord your God. Think about what you will say and come back or return to the Lord. Say to him, take away our sin and accept these words as our sacrifice We offer you the praise from our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on war horses. We will never say again, our God, to something we made with our hands. This is because you are the one who shows mercy to orphans. It's a beautiful passage. One that's just, I mean, it's worth just sitting down and thinking about because basically they're saying, finally, we're not going to trust in horses and chariots. Where's the United States? We're the biggest military power in the world? What are the people here really trust in? Really? Tia was uh, called me irate on the phone <laughs> this past week. She, she I don't know if it's a commercial or something on, on TV, but instead of having "In God we trust," on, uh, they were now considering putting in, "In reason, we trust." And I'm thinking, yeah. That sounds about like where we are. Um, But these people said, Look, Israel will not save us. I mean, Assyria will not save us. They had made, they actually had made a a treaty with them to protect them, but then they turned around the very ones that conquered them. Um, We won't look to things we make with our hands. I mean, wow. Much, how much is money really our security than God himself? I tell myself over and over, God, you're the one I'm depending on. I'm really trusting in you. If you take everything I have, I still believe you'll take care of me. And you have to tell yourself that. You have to remind yourself that it's so easy to find something else for your security. Other than him. It really is. God goes on. Oh the other thing before I leave. This is because you are the one. Who shows mercy to orphans. And when you've left God. You really are spiritually father fatherless. You know, he's the one. He's the one. And he tells us in the natural. Take care of the orphans and widows. There's something about. His father heart that desires that people trust him to be who he is (coughs) you know i just remember jesus got upset with people his disciples most of the time because they had little faith look i am who i am and you can trust me and when they didn't trust him was when he usually really got upset about something So I, the Lord, will speak romantic words to her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tender words. There I will give her vineyards. I will give her (coughs) Acre Valley as a door of hope. Acre Valley was a desert. Basically what this indication is that he's going to turn it into a, a green area, a lush and green area. Then she will answer as she did when she came out of the land of Egypt. This is what the Lord says. At that time, you called me my husband. No, at that time, you will call me my husband. You will not call me my Baal, which means my master. I will take the names of those false gods or Baals out of your mouth. Then the people will not use those names again. And then I skip that next verse. And I will make you my bride forever. I will make you my bride with goodness and justice. And with love and mercy, I will make you my faithful bride. Then you will really know the Lord. What a heart he has, what a vision he has. What a vision God has when He sees when we see how we are here and how much further we need to go. And and, and, and His hope for this people that He had travailed with over and over and over as an example of how he is with the church today. Um, God goes on and says, the Lord says, I will forgive them for leaving me. I will show them my love without limits because I have stopped being angry. I will be like the dew to Israel. Israel will blossom like the lily. He will grow like the cedar trees of Lebanon. His branches will grow and he will be like a beautiful olive tree. He will be like the sweet smell from the cedar trees of Lebanon. The people of Israel will again live under my protection. They will grow like grain. They will bloom like a vine. They will be like the wine of Lebanon. I didn't put the last thing on your sheet but the very end of chapter 14 um, says this, Israel, I will have nothing more to do with idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and watches over you. I am a fir tree that is always green. Your fruit comes from me. It's like, okay, we've had an issue here with you guys. But we're, we're not going to deal with these idols anymore. You've got to learn, I am your provider. I am the one that loves you. I am the one that cares for you. Um, you know, I, this whole book is really interesting because the story about Hosea and Gomer um, is interesting in this because you and I are the Gomers. You and I are the ones that at some time in our life, you know, our eyes and our heart wander to the things of the world, you know, and we, we move away from God in some, some degree or measure. What is, what's amazing about God's storytelling is this. Um, the word gomer means perfect, complete. I have never seen her that way as I've read this book. Um, I don't see me that way. Can you imagine? That's my Gomer, I love, perfect and complete in the mess that she's in. How How can she ever live up to her name? How can we ever live up to that name when we are like Gomer in our life? The only way we can live up to it is because of a Hosea. And his name means salvation. And so that's the amazing thing to me about God's story. You just read it, you know, and in our culture, oh, that's, okay, that's about adultery. But in it really is a story about you and me, you know. Looking down and seeing a person in a mess that he's called his own that he sees perfect and complete. The only way that can ever be. Is through salvation. A Hosea who, who bought her back. With his own silver and grain. But you know that's not how we were bought back. Jesus said you did not choose me but I chose you. And then he said while you were yet Sinners died for you I died for you you know and in regards to relationship in regards to relationship Hosea 2:16 is really his heart you will call me husband because we're going to be a bride you will call me husband and you no longer will call me my master so you see we're loved. First, then forgive return repent keep him as the highest one in your heart let's pray Lord you're so gracious you're so long suffering even sometimes to our detriment because we continue in the same things but as we sung this morning, Lord, help us to turn, to always stay turned with our face towards you. Lord, for the joy set before us, we endure whatever, whatever it is that's in our path, whatever temptation, whatever thing that would, would tempt our heart to turn a different direction. Thank you for your grace. It's all grace. We bless you for just how big your heart is for your people. We thank you, Father, that it's always faithful, never ending. Thank you that you discipline us because you love us. In Jesus' name. Amen. The final page 32 the song um, Jesus, friend of sinners.